Welcome to the Level Up Your Life podcast, where we discuss all things that help make your life easier. I'm your host, Laura Lemonade, here with my co-host, Dr. Magdalena Battles, who is the Life Hack Mama. In this episode, we will be discussing recapturing your goals for your family, practical ideas that moms can implement today with special guest speaker, Morgan Roberts. Morgan Roberts is a writer who blogs with her lifelong friend, Mackie Smith, at 10,000littlehours.com. She has been a monthly contributor to the Moms Encouraging Moms Facebook group since its inception in 2019. Morgan holds a Bachelor of Arts in English and a Master of Divinity with an emphasis in family counseling from Wesley Biblical Seminary. She and her husband live in Mississippi, where they are raising their four children, ages 12, 10, 7, and 2. Morgan, thank you so much for coming today. Yes. Hi, Morgan. This is Dr. Magdalena Beatles, and I am very thankful that you are on the show today. Um, as a busy mother of four kids, I am sure that your life looks very different than you had envisioned it would before you had all your kids. Can you start us off by telling us a bit about how you approach motherhood being as busy as you are? Absolutely. And hello, Magdalena and Laura. Thank you both so much for having me on your show. I've really been Looking forward to talking with y'all. Yes, <laughs> motherhood has been much different than I envisioned it, as you said. And the way that I approach it, now, of course, there are those moments where, where these goals are not achieved, but I do have in the back of my mind a vision of where I'm headed. And I think in anything we do, motherhood or anything else, it's key to know where you're going and what your goals and visions and dreams are. And so it's the same for me with motherhood. Before we had children, my husband and I dreamed of how we would raise those children and what was most important to us. When I was in seminary, I had a class taught by Dr. Matt Friedemann in which he shared with us the way that he has raised his children and how he used something called the age 18 list. And if you wanted to read more about that, he has a book entitled Discipleship in the Home, where he has a whole chapter on this age 18 list. But from that, my husband and I did the same thing. We looked at their family. We looked at their kids. They've been mentors for us in the sense that we said, hey, their kids really turned out amazingly well. We mm -hmm. love their children. And it's not just that they're brilliant and talented and all that, but they are people of true character that yes. is meaningful and they can have eye to eye contact and an adult conversation. Well, now they are adults, but even as children, they were taught to converse with adults and just lots mm -hmm. of simple little things that we sometimes take for granted. And we thought, Hey, let's pay attention to what they're doing and how they're doing it. So they compile this age 18 list of things that they wanted to teach their children and experiences they wanted their children to have by the time they were 18 years old and left their home. And we did the same thing. And just to share a few practical examples of some things that are on that list, you know, we want our children to do practical things, know how to cook, change a flat tire, um, make a budget mm -hmm. and live in it. Um, also things like teaching our children about purity, um, we're a Christian family, so it's important to us that by the time our children leave our home that they've actually read the Bible themselves, that they've mm -hmm. read um, missionary biographies and things that inspire character, that, that they have done things like learn how to read music, play a musical instrument, um, that they've had experiences serving other people in our local community. That's important to us. So 
each year, so we, we wrote this list when our daughter was a toddler, but now she's 12 years old and we've had more children. And so each year we pull that list out and we look at it and we say, are we aligning our time in such a way that we are helping our children in the direction that we want to go? Or are we filling our time with things that are not worthwhile really to achieving Mm -hmm. our family's goals and so if we're not then we've got to eliminate some of those things and carve out time for these things that are important to us that we value that we want to pass on to our children and it takes a lot of intentionality and as I said a moment ago we're not always great at that so we have to we have to have moments in our calendar where we pause and we look at that and say are we doing what we have committed to actually do. I think that's great. Now, do you post the list somewhere in your home so you see it or is it in an agenda book? How do you keep revisiting that list so you um, have it top of mind? Well, actually, I have it in a filing cabinet, although (laughs) it is a great idea, but I get it out. In fact, I have it in my hand right now. I get it out and then I am a very type A personality. So of course I have a schedule and I have a plan for what's coming in the coming months. And so I look at that list as I'm planning and I say, Ah. okay, this, none of these things are happening. And these are some things that are age appropriate for my children. So how can we make these things happen? I have not, of course, taught my two-year-old most of this. I have not taught even my seven-year-old half of this, you know, so it's not, Mm -hmm. it's age 18. So it's a broad (laughs) thing here. So I look at it and I choose the ones that I want to work on for say that quarter of the year or those six months. I think if I looked at it too much, I would get overwhelmed. Yes. I I choose Mm -hmm. parts of it. I like that. Now, do you have one list for all the kids or is it a separate list for each child? That's a good question. It is one list for all the children, but all of our children have differing personalities. So, Mm -hmm. and different gifts. And so that is something that has been surprising. I don't know why, because I knew that before I had children, but then when you actually (laughs) have the children, you think, wow, you really are your own little person. (laughs) I've had to, of course, take into account um, the uniqueness of each of my children and all four of them are so different. So I have for example, one daughter, I was teaching my children to play the piano myself, just to teach them how to read music. And I thought if they have an affinity for this or a gift for this, I will invest money in this, for example. Mm -hmm. So one of my children started playing on the piano, things that she had heard just from And so my husband and I decided, okay, she's ready. She needs a real piano. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing that. And then my next daughter picked up the guitar, started playing the guitar, wants to play the guitar. So this year will be her, well, actually last year she had some group guitar lessons. This year will be her first year for individual guitar lessons. So that's that's great. You know, I have to say that is very smart the way you have approached that, because I think I could have saved my family probably a thousand dollars on lessons that went nowhere. Uh, And so um, I'm going to take your approach. I love it. Keep going. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So I could talk our whole time about this age 18 list. And if any of your listeners would like to talk more about that, I'm happy to to converse about that um, through email. Also, I recommend that book. But the next thing that is 
really important to us in how we raise our children is the atmosphere that we create in our homes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as I mentioned, I'm a type A person. I can bulldoze right through people in order to do tasks sometimes. And I don't want to be that kind of person. So this actually takes a lot of effort on my part. This comes so naturally and so easily to some people. And so I just confess I'm not one of those. So I have to really work at creating an atmosphere that is open and loving and welcoming. And I want my children when they're 18 to still want to come back and visit. I want them to look Mm -hmm. back on their memories of home and say that was a warm and a safe place that I am happy I grew up in. So how do we Mm -hmm. create that kind of atmosphere? And I'm sure you've all heard about these studies about um, the top students in our country. They're so different, but the thing that they have in common is that they ate together. Magdalena, you may have even written about that. Yes, eating together as a family. It is a proven yes. um, metric for kids who are more successful and, and are happier and more well-adjusted. Yeah. Yes. So eating meals together as a family is important to us. And not only sitting down physically eating those meals, but the experience at the meal is important. So setting that time apart in a way that they recognize, hey, this is a set-apart time, even if it's only 20 or 30 minutes where we maybe light the candles, maybe we turn on some classical music in in the background where we make it a point to look our children in the eye. Now, when you have toddlers, this is really hard, and maybe this time is Mm -hmm. much shorter than you envision, but Mm -hmm. they will get older. Those toddlers will get older, and this time will come for you where you look them in the eye and you engage. You let them talk about the good parts of their day, the bad parts of their day. You share from your own heart what is going on in your thought life. Um, Mm -hmm. For us, again, as a Christian family, that's things that we feel God is doing in our life or God is doing in our family or in our church family or Mm -hmm. ways that we together as a family can engage our friends and our neighbors. Sometimes those conversations happen at the dinner table because there's really not another time that they're going to happen. So all of those things are simple, life-giving things that aren't a big deal, but over time they will become a big deal to your children when they are adults. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yes, good points. Another thing I, I strive to do for atmosphere is just keep putting the true and the good and the beautiful things in front of our children. They're bombarded with a lot of mediocrity, just to be honest, in mm-hmm. art, in music, in literature, in you know what they're listening to, all the things of our culture that they're absorbing. If you give them what's good and what's beautiful, then they will hopefully develop an affinity for some of those things. So mm-hmm. for example, um, you know, I had my son looking at this piece of art. He's seven years old and we just talked about it. And I said, what do you notice in that? What do you like about that? And so if he looks at good art, if he listens to complex, beautiful music, he, he will recognize things that are good and beautiful and they will impact his, his life as he grows up. It reminds me of the story, I'm sure you've heard it also, about how the FBI trained people to catch 
counterfeit money. You would feel the the texture of real money over and over and over. And what do those $100 bills feel like? And then when you feel something artificial, something fake, you just know it because you've, te- you've felt the real thing over and over. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, absolutely. So, so that's my desire as far as atmosphere in my home is, is creating that kind of place where they don't necessarily think deeply about these things, of course. And a lot of times I'm not even thinking too deeply about it, but I try to create habits and routines that will foster a, um, a happy, godly atmosphere in our home. And again, it doesn't all, always happen. I fall short frequently. Um, but that does bring me to my next thing I wanted to share with you today about habits. Um, yes. Of course, there are times where we do not feel like going to the effort, you know, because of mm-hmm various reasons or just busyness, burnout, exhaustion. And so if we have habits in place for these things that are important to us, then we can pull them off much more easily than if we think, oh, I have to do X, Y, and Z to create this wonderful meal for my children, or I have to do this to, I have to do this devotion time every night in this way, you know, but if we, instead of looking at it as a burden, if we look at it as hey, I'm just going to one by one set up a habit that I can pass on to my children. And we, then we're more likely to be successful if we take those things one at a time. So mm-hmm. a word about habits. Um, we all have these neural pathways in our brains that we go down thousands of times a day for various things. And those neural pathways, there's of course, neuroscience behind all of this, that those neural pathways are formed by habits. So we all know that we can have these life-giving habits, these neural pathways that are life-giving for ourselves and our family, or -hmm. we can have these destructive habits. And it will take effort to to change those neural pathways from destructive to life-giving. And I see much of my work as a mother as guiding my children in establishing life-giving habits. And, yes. And um, yes, so Charlotte Mason was an early 20th century teacher and educational philosopher in England, and she wrote volumes about habit development in children. And she described habits as rails. So you can envision train tracks, you know, train rails. And those habits and your brain is that train just going down those rails over and over. Or you can even envision the guardrails maybe on a road and those guardrails keep you in the keep you in the lanes, right? Keep you from falling off in the ditch. And that is how our habits serve us. So when we see that our children have developed habits like laziness or disrespect or not listening then we do have to do the hard work of helping them develop new habits to replace those bad habits. And that's really the only way to do it. Thomas Akempis said habit is overcome by habit. So we have to drive out the bad habit with a good habit. Um, Mm -hmm. 
but I want to. That is, yeah, yeah, that is so true. That is exactly what how you replace a habit. You can't just say, "Oh, I'm going to stop doing this habit." You actually have to have a different activity or a different way of doing things and replace the old habit with a new habit. I think many people don't recognize that, but I'm so glad you pointed that out. That's a very valid point. Yeah, thank you. That's right. So, I want to encourage us that we can't be perfectionistic in this because we will make our children miserable and we will make ourselves miserable. So it's important that we pick one habit, you know, one thing we want to work on. Like if we, if we wake up tomorrow or right after listening to this podcast and you think my children are lazy, disrespectful, and not listening, (laughs) we're going to tackle all of this at once. Then we'll turn out and be angry and will not have the atmosphere we were striving for. So just pick one of those habits and think of, okay, how can we work on this laziness habit? And what can, where are they, what are specific areas of our life are they being lazy? Oh, leaving their clothes all over the floor and, you know, not um, taking their plate to the kitchen. I don't know. Just pick whatever the one thing is and work on that and let them feel success in that before you go to conquer the next habit. Yes. I like and I want to point out, often it's helpful to start with the small things. So yes. they feel successes and then it helps them achieve bigger um, goals in the future. So you want to start small so they can get those wins in. Yes, absolutely. And also we want to have their buy-in. Um, when children are young, they you don't have to have their buy-in as much. You know, you're you're very much the authority figure in their lives, but there is mm-hmm. an age at which, I don't know, Magdalena could, could speak to this specifically. I think usually it's around age nine or so, mm-hmm. where yes. you kind of start to lose that. And yes. you really have to engage their buy-in for these habits. So you can't just um, be a slave driver over it. They have to mm-hmm. see a win out of it. They have to see, hey, this will actually help my entire life. It's not just that my mother is trying to make me miserable. Right. Yeah, my daughter's at that age right now. She's nine. And I am just starting to see it with her. So you're exactly right. It is that age. And that's that turning point where they start questioning, hmm, maybe mom isn't right about everything. Maybe, you know, I need to know the reasons why we need to do what we're supposed to be doing, what she says we should be doing. And so you're right. We, your points are all so good. Oh, well, thank you. I'm praying that this will be helpful. It's actually helpful to me to remind myself of this, of, of our mission and and the habits that we are working on. So thank you for that. Now that our children are, like I said earlier, actual living, breathing people with their own unique personalities, um, be intentional. I'm trying as they get older to really be intentional and prayerful about how I go about implementing these goals when I, when I was referring to the age 18 list. So all of those things are important on that list to me. Um, And then within my children's personalities, some of those things are going to get more time than others. So, of course, it doesn't matter what your personality type is. You need to learn how to make a budget and live within your budget as a young adult. (laughs) You know, that one's not applicable. But many of them, um, you want to, for example, the missionary biographies. You know, there are tons of missionary biographies. 
And there's tons of wonderful classical literature also that point my children to the character that we are hoping to instill in them of courage and of um, honesty and loyalty and those things. But I can choose different books for different children according mm -hmm. to what will be appealing to them and reach their heart. That makes yes. total sense, especially given like I have twins and my twins are, you know, so completely different, even though they're identical twins. And so I like that you pick different books, you know, like that would appeal to each one, because I do think um, they are their own unique person. And I do. I love that, that you do that. So well, thank that you. So um, the last point I wanted to make about this about being goal oriented is that we really have to learn to say no to some things in order to say yes to what is most important. I looked at this age 18 list last year in January or this past year, no, two years ago, excuse me. And I thought my children are not really serving. I mean, they're serving each other in their home. They're serving each other, serving others in little opportunities here and there at church. But I thought, I want to carve out time in our day to take them to really serve. And the, I was blessed with an opportunity to connect with a woman at a, a ministry that's about 10 miles from my house. It's a food pantry and a clothing closet. And they do a great job of building relationships with the people that they're helping. And so I just said, is there any way you would let children help here on a regular basis? And That's great. Just I love that children as being in the way, you know, but they were so mm -hmm. welcoming. And so just for one hour a week for this past year, um, I took my children and they served alongside some retired people, built relationships with those retired people. And um, the ministry is called ERCO. So they started referring to my kids as ERCO kids. <laughs> and, you know, we probably weren't the very most productive people, but they really learned their little jobs really well. And they could walk in and they could bag rice and bag sugar and bag drinks and carry, help carry buggies outside. And I'm oh, sorry, buggies is what we call it in Mississippi, shopping carts <laughs> outside. <laughs> and um, so it was just a simple way that my children could learn a habit of, of thinking of others instead of themselves. And I didn't know any way to do that other than to actually go do it. It wasn't working just for me to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So that's just a, a practical way that we said, hey, we're going to have to say no to um, even some academic stuff that was important to me mm -hmm. for this one hour, because this is an ultimate value for our family. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll, we'll say that we'll make up that hour of academic time elsewhere. Yes. So, that's great. I love all the tips that you've given us today. So wonderful. Great advice and great insight to your family and what you're doing with them. So where do we go from here today? That's a great question. First of all, go back in your mind to the dreams that you had for your family. Which ones do you need to discard and which ones do you really need to mine and reignite in your family? And then write that age 18 list. Just write it down. You are the only person and your spouse, if you have one, who will see it. Involve your spouse if they're willing. Mm -hmm. And after that, wait a day or two, comb through it, and then pick one thing you want to implement this year and just do it. Just carve out that time and do it and be relentless because that is what you have decided is most valuable in, in building the character 
of your children and, and preparing them for adulthood. We're not raising children, really. We're raising future adults. And then consider the habits in your family, in your own life, and in that of your children, and pick one good habit that you want to work on and work on one habit at a time. Wow. I love that. Mm-hmm. That is that. And I love that being relentless and mm-hmm. one good habit, one one habit at a time. That makes it so much more simple. Morgan, thank you so much for coming on our show. I feel like mothers who are listening right now will have, they have great insight now onto how they can approach the developing years with their little ones. I mean, everyone, um, please take notes on this one, but if you would like to dig deeper and read more from Morgan Roberts, you can check out her articles out in our Facebook group, Moms Encouraging Moms, or check out her blog at 10,000littlehours.com. Stay tuned for part two with Morgan Roberts coming up in a few weeks. We will be discussing how to create meaningful friendships as adults. You don't want to miss that one. I'm Laura Lemonade here with Dr. Magdalena Battles, and you've been listening to Level Up Your Life. Thank you for joining. Keep your eyes up because that's where it all is.